You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. What in the world did we just witness? The Charlotte Hornets beat the Golden State Warriors. That's nothing new, at least not in Charlotte. Uh, That has not been a fluke over the years. But to do it in overtime, something they haven't done in 10 previous overtime games dating back. This is unbelievable. To February of 2021, welcome in to Locked on Hornets, a live edition. Honestly, I wasn't even, look, I mean, my hair's all crazy. Like, I wasn't even planning to get on camera, but I felt like it was just necessary to do so after that incredible win. I'm calling it the Saturday Night Fever game. Saturday Night, baby, because it was about P.J. Washington. It was about Dennis Smith Jr., Jalen McDaniels. I'll even throw a Kelly Oubre Jr. in there because there were gutsy performances all on the floor. And I just, I felt like I needed to be around some Hornets fans. I've got the chat pulled up. Topo, it's Locked On Hornets live. I don't even know where Walker Bale is. I'll be honest with you. I've got the solo duty for the show tomorrow. I'm going to do a whole other show. Then we'll talk about all kinds of things. But I just want to sit in this moment right now with some of the most hardcore Hornets fans I know. And that's the people that uh, watch this YouTube channel. I just had to scramble upstairs, get my equipment ready, and get on the air to talk talk about what's happening. So speaking of that, let's go ahead and get the chat up in the air right now. Mike says, let's go. Topo Mike, what's going on? Alessandro says, huge win. I mean, honestly, huge win when you think contextually about where the Hornets were after that Orlando game. I mean, I kind of compared it to a bench fairy tale, like the bench, the royal carriages abounded. And then all of a sudden they go to, they get to Orlando third game of a road trip and and the clock strikes midnight and all these bench players start to wilt and turn into pumpkins and the starters don't come through. P.J. Washington in Orlando had a terrible game and Steve Clifford goes on the air post game and lays out another challenge for his team. And he's been challenging this team a lot. You go back to training camp preseason You know, he laid the challenge for Mark Williams to to be more physical early on. He's laid all kinds of challenges for this team. And time and again, this team proves that they listen to Steve Clifford and they, they get up for the challenge. And the challenge he laid for them after that Orlando game was, you know, the good teams really show up on the second night of back-to-backs. So he laid the challenge publicly. I'm sure he laid it to the team in the Orlando locker room. And what did this Hornets team do, especially the starters? They stepped up in a big way. No LaMelo Ball. No Terry Rozier. No Cody Martin. Yes, this team is used to it by now because those players have missed multiple games. But, you know, it's it was obvious in that Orlando game that, like, LaMelo and Terry would have helped them win that game. And what did the starters do in this one? P.J. Washington, big performance. Gordon Hayward starting this game. You have to remember, even that that big offensive explosion that they had against New York where they lost that overtime game, they got off to a bad start. Atlanta, bad start, came back, won that game. 
In this one, they finally got off to a good start, and a lot of it was because they were getting into their sets earlier, and, and they were getting Gordon looks open, mid-range, and he was knocking them down. I posted this on Twitter, but if you look at the shot charts, first half from the Orlando game and this game, totally different. Totally different in the makeup of the kinds of shots that, that they were not only making, but taking. They were getting more at the rim. Golden State, not the team that Orlando threw out there. Orlando was playing with a ton of size. Golden State a little bit smaller, a little bit less skilled down low in terms of defense, and the Hornets took advantage. And they got mid-range looks for Gordon Hayward. They got mid-range looks for Kelly Oubre Jr., and they came up big. So that got them off to an amazing start. And then the Hornets went on to finish big. But before we talk about that, I want to go down to this chat because people are in it right now. PJ Washington, certified gamer. Yes, yes. I'll put it in the mail tomorrow. PJ Washington joins Terry Rozier in my list of certified gamers for this team. Absolutely. I mean, he was coming up huge possession after possession. And there were moments, though, at the end of that game where Draymond kept taking his cookies. I mean, it was a battle between P.J. Washington and Draymond Green. And Draymond Green was getting the better of P.J. on most of those defensive possessions. But I thought they played it smart and got P.J. a couple of switches. Like, if you look at the few bas- the big baskets that he hit in that overtime period and the fourth quarter, late in that fourth quarter... A lot of it was because they were doing some things offensively to get him onto Clay Thompson, onto other people other than Draymond, uh, because that was that was not working, frankly. But PJ coming up big. It's the Saturday Night Fever game, folks. It was PJ and it was DSJ. I'm going to say DSJ probably second in this one, but he hit the huge baskets driving. You have to remember, too, Dennis Smith Jr. didn't score all that much in the first half. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Hit some free throws late, believe in the first quarter to finally get his first two points. But he was struggling early in this game, and he but he stays with it and defensively. Oh my God. I mean, defensively against Steph Curry, DSJ I don't know that you could do it much better. I mean, you know, Steph Curry and Clay, they get off to the rough start from three. A lot of that was the def- the defense up top from DSJ. And that's beautiful because, again, you think when LaMelo comes back and they do get these tough matchups, you've got that option to sub DSJ in and let him go on the attack on the defensive end. It's going to be a beautiful thing. All right, I promise to go down to the chat. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I'm sorry in advance because I am pumped. I am excited. I may be talking too fast. I don't know, but uh, things are crazy right now, and I love it. Blake Blake says, DSJ is that dude. Yes, the Hornets finally bringing in those dudes. And I can't help but notice that it comes side by side with bringing in Steve Clifford and finally delivering him some of those dudes. Uh, let's see. Angelo says, hack a Plumley. That's a big storyline in this game, right? I mean, they sub in all of the starters about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And it was funny because on the hack a Plumley stuff, like Mason Plumley gets an offensive rebound and gets fouled, but it wasn't intentionally, but it was like it unlocked something on the Golden State bench when they saw Mason Plumley take those free throws. I think he went one of two, like he hit one. But it like unlocked something for them that I don't know that they necessarily, maybe they did. 
But I, don't, I can't say for sure that Golden State came in with like a strategy of, okay, if it gets close, then we're going to do hack a plumley. I don't think they thought that. But then seeing him take those free throws the way he did, it seemed like it unlocked something. And so then they went to the hack a plumley. And I, and I was starting to wonder, like, is, is Clifford going to get him out of there? Are they going to sub in Nick Richards? But instead of subbing in Nick Richards, they sub in Jalen McDaniels, who would go on to hit an amazing bucket in OT. 201 left, all tied up. Jalen McDaniels, he hits the shot, okay? DSJ finds him for three points, splash. Hornets go up 114 to 111. They would not give up the lead after that. So Jalen McDaniels hits the go-ahead bucket, okay? But rewind to that Jalen McDaniels defensive rebound, fighting for it. It was small lineup versus small lineup. And, and he gets the defensive rebound. Uh, you know, one of those plays that you're going to probably forget in the flurry of big shots that were hit by P.J. Washington and Dennis Smith Jr. But that defensive rebound by Jalen McDaniels might have won them the game because, you know, so many times in this game, Golden State gets the offensive rebound and what happens? Kick out to Curry, three, splash. Kick out to Clay, three, splash. Although Clay, boy, whoo. Klay Thompson is not the same Klay Thompson. If Klay Thompson were the same Klay Thompson that we have been used to seeing Klay Thompson be, the Hornets lose this game because he had open looks from three, did not hit them. But it was Jordan Poole getting a three, splash. So offensive rebounding was big in terms of getting Golden State back in this game, but they finally shut it down when it mattered most, and that's something the Hornets have not been able to do in overtime. They have not been able to make the key plays down the stretch in these overtimes that lead to wins. I mean, they've lost 10 in a row. Now we can stop saying that. They have won one in a row in overtime, and that is just a beautiful thing. Uh, but going back to the sub, so hack a Plumley, he gets Plumley out of there. Instead of going Richards, because Golden State goes to the death lineup, they go to the small lineup with, with Draymond Green at center, they opt to shift PJ over to the five and go with Jalen McDaniels. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think that was a right move. Obviously, you go small to small there. Uh, Nick Richards, that that may have pre- presented some issues, especially, you know, they were killing PJ in the pick and roll with that, with that middle pick and roll between Curry and Green. They hit Wiggins on the back door that one time. Green had a couple of buckets. You know, I, I just would be interested to see the alternate universe where Nick Richards has to guard Draymond Green in those situations. I'm not sure that it goes entirely well. So I think ultimately it was the right move. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, you know, if the Hornets truly are, you know, going to overperform all the expectations, all the Vegas expectations, and possibly get a playoff spot, then yeah, this Mason Plumley free throw issue is going to be a storyline as we move forward and, and will force him out of these late game situations. It's unfortunate uh, because I think there are a lot of things that Mason Plumley does well uh, that would suit them late in games. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't, obviously, you just couldn't leave him on the floor um, in that situation. All right, back to the chat. We've got Burberry saying, you can't shoot with a gimmick and miss. Prefer to see him miss with his right instead of his left. But, I mean, you know, uh, if you remember back to last season when he, he was shooting the worst free throw percentage of his entire career, and it was all in his head, and then he gets in, he injures the right hand, and then he moves to the left hand. So, and then he started, he did actually start to shoot it better. So I just, from a mental perspective, I think it would be tough for him to go back to the right hand. I think that would probably mess him up even more. I know that's, I mean, I know he's shooting poorly, but you don't want him to shoot even more poorly to the level because he was unplayable at moments 
early last season when he was shooting that poorly. Um, uh, similarly unplayable like he was at the end of this game. Uh, Blake saying, so nice to see Clifford beat Kenny Atkinson without LaMelo, Terry Cody. Oh, man. I mean, hidden storyline in this game. The, the broadcast didn't talk about it for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, that's the storyline in this game, right? Plenty of shots over to Steve Kerr's bench, and you see Kenny Atkinson sitting uh, in the, the assistant associate head coach seat instead of the head coach seat. Uh, I think a lot of people right now, a lot of fans, I'm sure all you could tell me on the chat. I think you're you're thinking, hey, unanswered prayers, right? You know, Kenny Atkinson doesn't get the job. They have to go to Steve Clifford. So far, I think most people would say that works out. Blake also saying deepest bench in the league. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to read these as I go. Keep chatting. Uh, this is great. Share this out, by the way. Subscribe. Hit the notifications. Uh, to you know, hit the little bell to make sure that you get notifications when I do these surprise lives. Because you never know. I mean, I just run upstairs. I hit the button and I'm on live. So, you know, do that and make sure to tell a friend. Uh, we got to spread the word about this show. If the Hornets are going to win, listen. If the Hornets are going to win, if they're going to do this, if they're going to beat ten game OT streaks, if this is going to be a fun season, if they're going to get Lamelo back, then you know, obviously, uh, you know, we, we got to get people watching this show. Amber says DSJ Stangin. Oh man, I mean, who? I don't know that there weren't there were many people who weren't Stangin in this game. Let me just run down, pull the box score up here. I mean, Gordon Hayward, eight of sixteen from the field, twenty three points. That's Stangin. Thirty one points for PJ on thirteen of twenty three scoring. Neither, by the way, Gordon and PJ neither shot the ball well from three. They were doing so much of that from mid range and at the rim. Uh, Gordon was one of three. PJ was one of six. This team won against Golden State. Get this. This team beat Golden State in overtime, and they shot 10 of 31 from three, 32% for those that, that don't want to pull the old uh, the T85 calculator out, okay? 32% from three, you beat Golden State. Uh, that would not have happened last season. Last season, they needed, they absolutely needed the three-point shooting uh, to win these type of games. Uh, but you tie them in defensive rebounds, you get 15 offensive rebounds. Now, I said offensive rebounding was a struggle, uh, you know, in late in the game because they ended up getting 11 in this game. But 15 offensive rebounds for the Hornets. I mean, second chance points, where did that end up falling? Hornets were had a huge advantage in the first half in second chance points. Golden State clawed some of that back, especially when they went small. But Hornets win it overall 23-18. to 18. Points in the paint have been a big issue. Uh, the Hornets win that battle 54 to 18. They get 54 attempts uh, at the rim, uh, 20, hitting 27 of those. So you want to see them hit a few more of those at the rim. You get 54 attempts, you only hit 27. That's been a problem for them for a couple of seasons now, rim efficiency. But back to Stangen, uh, Mason Plumley was on, <laughs> he was on triple double watch uh, in the first half. Kelly Oubre, 18 points on 7 of 18 shooting. Look, you know, Kelly Oubre, there's some good, there's some bad. That's the facts of Poppy. I say it all the time. Like, you got to take a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, and hopefully at the end of the season, the good outweighs the bad. He had the tech while he was on the bench. You can't be doing that. Come on, you're on the bench. You can't, be, you can't get a technical foul and give them pressure, give Golden State precious points. If they're playing, you know, if they're if they're blowing out the Kings, then fine, get a technical, you know, but not, not against the Warriors. You can't do that. Uh, but, at the, but at the same time, he's knocking down mid-range shots. He got that huge... Yammer, I mean, it's going to go on my Yammer of the Year. I already put it in my notebook. By the way, every Hornetsboxscore.com, you can see my entire notebook 
uh, support my work there. You can subscribe for free, but if you uh, throw me a couple bones a month, you get my notebook uh, that I only occasionally open up on the show, the full notebook. You see all my notes. So that's a Yammer of the Year candidate award for me, Kelly Oubre, slamming it in transition. There was a 0% chance that Kelly Oubre was passing it up. <laughs> like, I just knew. No, he's. Ta- I think it was uh, Ty Jerome who was up against, like, Kelly. No, he, he saw it. He was like, no, I'm, I'm taking this. And to his credit, he knocks it down. But you know what's interesting about this game, too? I'm saying a lot right now. I'm just like I'm just like vomiting. I'm vomiting out of excitement. I'm so excited. I'm like the kid on the roller coaster for the first time. It's just too much excitement. It's all been building up. That Orlando loss had me really in the dumps, and now this brings me back. But I have to look at this plus minus. Okay, I know you know plus minus doesn't always mean anything. Okay, but if you look at the starters. Plus 9, plus 2, plus 6, plus 10, plus 12. Look at the bench. James Booknight, minus 3. He was 0 of 5 from the field, 14 minutes. Teo Maladon's out playing him right now. I don't, I don't really know. You know, I'm, I'm trying to search for uh, Maladon minutes, Maladon minutes. And, you know, I think it's it's James Booknight who's going to be, if, if, if they want to work Teo in in the future, James Booknight may be the victim of that. Minus 3. uh, Jalen McDaniels, look, I mean, he hit a huge bucket. So he's minus one because he played with the bench. My point is minus three for Nick Richards, minus five for Teo. Nick Richards, again, a big part of the reason they won this game. But the bench overall has been playing essentially where you would think when you have to go three deep into your bench, where the bench should be playing. It's the starters who finally, after that Orlando game, stepped up in a big way. Uh, Dennis Smith, you know, Two of two from three. I mean, look, guy can shoot. It's comeback. 13 points, eight assists. But here's the thing. 13 points, eight assists in a double-digit loss where you're not in overtime. I don't think people are paying attention to that. But I am already seeing national people tweeting out videos of him getting a big Steph Curry stop and then going to the other end, driving through the teeth of the Golden State Warriors defense and hitting a big bucket. It's narrative moments. 13 and 8 doesn't sound like anything. I mean, 8 assists, great. 13 points, double-digit scoring. But when you say 13 and 8, oh yeah, he hit two huge buckets in overtime. Like These are the kind of things that when you're talking about most improved player, these narrative moments, you're start, he's starting to build them. And if he can stay healthy, I don't think there's anything that would discourage me from thinking he can't continue to do this. Um, all right. Uh, Angelo says, Book needs to start playing calmer. He's playing with no confidence. You know, he start, it's felt like he started to get it back. I, I thought over these past two games, the Orlando game and this one, he's taken some big steps back offensively he was starting to make good passes he's missing passes again like missing easy ones that he has to deliver on um so yeah i mean i think right now again you know when you're talking about sort of the fringe part of the rotation if steve clifford is going to keep a 10-man rotation even after all of these players cycle back in somebody's got to go like thor's giving them some good defense and spot minutes right now uh, you know, Teo, I think is, you know, had a rough game in this one, like finally had a rough shooting game was two of eight, but still Teo calms the defense or calms the offense, organizes the offense in a way that James Booknight doesn't. Now, you know, when James is on, when Booknight's on that, you know, I think he probably has a little bit more electricity, a bit, uh, a better ability to drive than, than Teo Maladon, just if you're talking about talent level. But Teo so far, I think, has has um, shown a little bit more, you know, when, when you're talking about how they're going to settle this rotation out. All right, how long have I been on? 
Uh, I've been on for 20 minutes. Uh, let's do 10 more. I'm going to go to this chat. Um, Shane says the Warriors will, will always fall to the hive. That's right. They always fall on Saturday night. That's beautiful. Uh, God of Blackness says Kelly is cardiac cat of the Hornets. Look, man, yeah, Kelly Oubre making some, making some big plays and defensively just an absolute pest. I mean, and that's what Kelly Oubre said he wanted to get back to because he said he was that at the beginning of his career. And I haven't followed Kelly Oubre Jr.'s career that closely, so I'll just have to take his word for it that he used to be a pest. Maybe when he was with the Warriors, he was a little bit of a pest. And he got back to that. He has been getting back to that this season, and I thought he did so tonight. Um, Had a nice... uh, kind of not chase down block, but uh, Nick Richards stood up his his man and then Kelly Oubre came down with the block, had a big steal on, uh, or not a steal, but he he pestered Steph Curry in transition and and caused Steph Curry to like do this weird, not dri- it wasn't a dribble. I mean, they called him for, you know, uh, palming essentially because he threw it behind his back um, trying to do the highlight play. But, but that, but it was because Kelly kept pestering him they didn't allow Steph Curry to get really in rhythm until the very end of that game when they started going small and going to Draymond Green for those pick and rolls. That's when they finally got into a groove, but it was it was just far too was it was almost on time until DSJ and PJ showed up to seal seal the game away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, you know, in regulation, I honestly I didn't know they were going to get to overtime. I was not confident about that. Um because PJ was getting handled so so much on uh, with Draymond's defense, uh, but they finally got PJ onto Thompson, scored easily 107-105, and then PJ on Curry. It was a full team effort on Curry, right? You saw DSJ on Curry, you saw Kelly Oubre defend Curry at times. PJ one on one with Curry got the miss three, and then uh, DSJ ties it up 107-107 through the lane, and then that final defensive possession by DSJ. We have to talk about that. I've got video of it that I'm going to put uh, from from one of these tweets. I've got video of it that I'm going to put up on the notebook on the game notes on everyhornetsboxscore.com. Uh, but DSJ, the defense that he put on Curry at the end of that game, not to foul, incredible. I don't know how he didn't foul him. I mean, because Curry is so crafty when it comes to, you know, getting off a clean look in ways that nobody should be able to get off a clean look, and then occasionally to draw contact. The discipline required from Dennis Smith Jr., who has been in and out of the league, in and out of roles. Like, it's not like we're getting DSJ from some, like, trade or, you know, free agency where there was a lot of competition and he's coming off a huge season. No, this is coming out of absolutely nowhere other than, you know, when you look back at the talent level he was displaying in college and then, you know, coming into the, you know, his first little stint in the league. But, you know, in recent memory, this this has just not been what, what you would have expected from DSJ. 106 viewers on the live stream. What's going on? I don't know if you're listening from the very beginning or watching from the very beginning, if you're with me now, but holy smokes, Saturday night fever. On a Saturday night, the Jays coming through. Kelly Oubre Jr., Tsunami Poppy. He was Tsunami Father in the first half, knocking down mid-range. He was Tsunami Poppy in the second half, getting some techs, but also knocking down some big three-point shots over uh, Tough D. And then the big Jays, though, were Jalen McDaniels hitting the go-ahead shot, P.J. Washington 
three jump balls. Those were key. I'm, I don't know why Steve Kerr wasn't able at some point to sub in, you know, just do a little quick big sub in there. For, you know, I don't know. I mean, you can't anticipate these jump balls, obviously, but you know, going small hurt them because PJ was able to out jump and they tried everybody. That well, the one was forced with the pool loose ball, but they tried Wiggins, they tried Draymond, and uh, nothing was working. VT Red says PJ was the difference tonight. Brad says I was surprised Richards didn't get more playing time because of his defense. Yeah, what was the final tally on his play time here? You know, a lot of that was, you know, OT going small. PJ got 40 minutes in this game. Nick Richards was at 19. But here's the thing. Like, it, I mean, Clifford just went with the starters. Yeah, right? I mean, there was 34 minutes for Gordon, 40 for PJ, 23 for Mason, 19, you know, he went with the starters at the very, you know, that 606 mark at the fourth quarter. He went all starters. And then they did the hack of Plumley stuff and then they pulled Mason out. So only three more minutes for Mason over Nick. It was essentially the same, but Nick had the most of any bench player not named Jalen McDaniels, who again was the small lineup sub. So I thought Nick Richards' minutes were in line with the game situation, which is you know, they were playing a lot of their starters. Wiggins got 40, nearly 41 minutes. Draymond, 34. Clay got 31. Steph played 38, almost 39 in this game. So, you know, it's a lot of matchup stuff. It's a lot of, hey, you know, Steph, uh, Wiggins, and Green are on the floor right now. I got to gotta play those guys. Um, early on, though, I thought Nick Richards was dominating James Wiseman on the board. Now, Wiseman was only on, in the game for 444 because I think Nick Richards played him off the floor. Had four offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Uh, total six offensive rebounds in that first quarter helped the Hornets get off to that big start that allowed them to accumulate enough of a lead to where you had to force Golden State to play those starters a lot as you went on through the game. Uh, didn't allow them to get much rest, and that may have helped them there in that um, OT period because they're the road team. You know, Hornets getting back home. They were on the second night of a back-to-back, and that's what makes this um, even more impressive. Saturday night fever. I just want to say it a bunch of times so that everyone on this chat, everyone on this video knows, you know, some of my branding stuff gets copped every once in a while. I'm not going to name names. Not going to name names, but sometimes the things that I come up with get copped by some official channels. And I just want everyone to understand I'm staking my ground here that this game was called the Saturday Night Fever game because I got a fever. I don't know if you see my cheeks right now. They're flushed because that game, what it's the, I'm, well, yeah, I mean, the, the New York game was interesting, but this game took it to a whole nother level, I think. Uh, I was, I was just up, I was up on my feet. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, you're looking at Golden State though. Yeah, Curry, three of thirteen from three. I mean, you're not going to do much better than that, folks. He did have eight free throw attempts, hit all eight of them. Uh, 31, 11 rebounds for Steph Curry. <laughs> That's a, all right. Uh, six assists, five personal fouls. That was an issue too. Uh, five personals for him. Draymond almost picked up the sixth on that reach that got overturned. I thought it was a reach. I was about to tweet reach gate if they had lost this game because the officials, they just keep wanting to hand it to the other teams. I don't know what's going on. Jordan Poole, 10 of 20 for 24 points. Look, he hit some shots. Jordan Poole, oh boy. I mean, he hit some shots. Again, Curry-esque, like the perfect defense. I mean, I think the Hornets for most of this game were playing the absolute best defense that they could possibly play. Uh, uh, Danny says, get those starters back. Yeah, I mean, they, look, 
you know, this is a big win. They're going to celebrate it. They're going to get a night off. Um, but it's 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 undeniable that what they've been it, it makes what they've been doing incredible. But it doesn't take away from the fact that things get a little bit easier when you've got more talent on the floor. Um, it, it makes this game special, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they need talent so that you don't have these situations like against Orlando uh, where you simply run out of shots. Um, yeah, can't wait to play the Magic and Knicks again. Yeah, you know, look, this team has a different edge than last season, right? I mean, this team has a different identity than last season. And a lot of that, I tweeted this, has to do with Nick Richards, DSJ, and Jalen McDaniels showing an energy level. There's two things. It's those three that weren't really a, a big part of the team, Jalen because of injury, Nick because he was playing in the G League, and DSJ was obviously not with the team. But they're playing with an energy level, an all-over-the-court energy level that you really only see from LaMelo Ball, that you really only saw last season from LaMelo Ball. Now you're seeing it from so many different players, and then you're going to add LaMelo to that mix. It's going to be amazing. And then you're also seeing a different identity because you've got a, a, you know Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington adding an execution level that they didn't necessarily deploy last season. Again, because P.J. was a different kind of player and Gordon was not on the floor. So those are the big changes, but adding LaMelo and Terry to that is only going, I think, will only make it better. You know, it's going to change the rotation. There might be an adjustment period, but but I think, you know, LaMelo and Terry have to be chomping at the bit at this point, right? I mean, because, especially LaMelo. I think LaMelo goes, oh, I, oh, I see what I'm playing with now. Like, you know, hopefully it, 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 it sort of establishes a little bit of more trust between LaMelo and, it, and, and the rest of the team and saying, oh, I actually, I have weapons now. It doesn't have to be all about me, you know, cre- creating. And he's got more to create with. I mean, there were many times last season he was creating for his teammates and the teammates weren't coming through. And so I think he's going to have, uh, you know, his, his assist per game. I can't, I mean, I just can't wait to see it. I mean, I just think that it has to go up. It has to go up because more people – it's not about knocking down shots because they were a good three-point shooting team last season. A lot of those came off of LaMelo assist. But there's more happening at the rim uh, than there was last season. That's that's really incredible. Dan says, don't forget about nine rebounds for DSJ. Uh, uh, Dan, shout out to Dan for get, getting the pulling the stat here. Yeah, nine rebounds for DSJ. And so he was going, look, I mean, him and Steph Curry, they were rebound machines. They were going back and forth. Yeah, nine rebounds, eight assists. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, going to double overtime, and Dennis Smith Jr. might have come away with this with a triple-double, but we'll go ahead and, you know, take the win. But yeah, I mean, but that, that to me, highlights something, which is like all these players doing multiple things. You had guy, everyone was rebounding. Everyone was moving the basketball. I mean, you had five assists for Kelly Oubre. <laughs> five assists. Whoa, hold on. Forget nine rebounds for Dennis Smith Jr. for a second, okay? Five assists for Sunan Pop. I mean, that, whoa, chef's kiss. I had to make sure I had to like look at the, I was looking at the box score. I'm like, what about five? five? Yes. Five assists, five rebounds for Kelly. Uh, seven assists for Mason Plumley. Uh, one assist, seven rebounds for PJ. Four assists, two rebounds for Gordon. It's happening all over the floor. Eight rebounds for Nick Richards. Ten rebounds for Jalen McDaniel. He had a double-double. Anyone else have a double-double? No, that was the only double-double. Jalen McDaniels, the McDouble. 
that's, uh, yeah, everyone was doing everything. But thanks, Dan, for pointing that out. Appreciate it. Appreciate you on the chat. I appreciate everybody on the chat right now. And you're putting up with me solo, solo dolo. Um, and, and I really appreciate it. I'm going to go for a few more minutes. Here. I'm going to take a few more chats. And then uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go maybe have a stiff drink, I guess, to just like come down a little bit. I'm up here. Uh, before I go to bed, I got to be like right here, you know. Um, Panthers uh, for uh, for the win, 23, saying I love DSJ so far. I think he really adds to this team. Uh, you you got it. Yeah, I mean he does. I mean it's it's a different it's a different team with Nick Richards, uh, Jalen McDaniel's playing the way he is, and DSJ uh, takes it to a whole nother level. Um, I can't wait to see him play alongside Lamelo. Um, that's that's really going to be amazing. Uh, you know, obviously I think Terry still starts, but DSJ six man like immediate. You know, right now first sub is. Jalen McDaniels and Book Knight. Okay, that's your first sub. I think Jalen McDaniels still a big part of the rotation, but DSJ I think is obviously going to be your first sub. Dan Heyman said on two YouTube accounts to get those views up. Keep doing it. <laughs> Game in the system, Danny boy. That's what I like to see. Uh, we'll take it. We'll take all the views we can get. Uh, Neon says I don't know about stat line, but but Plumlee was disrupting uh, Golden State screen g- g- game, matching up on Draymond. Great until they started hacking. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I was, I thought Plumley, you know, point Plumley giveth and point Plumley taketh away in the first quarter. Point Plumley was on point. And here's the thing: you want Mason Plumley at the nail, passing to cutters. That's what you want. You do not want Mason Plumley them calling pick and rolls for Mason Plumley and him rolling to the to the cup and getting the ball and getting fouled. You don't want him on the free throw line. So like Plumlee's main value is his size and his ability to pass. And I thought he was doing both of those things well early in the game. But yeah, I mean, he's going to take himself out of late game situations with the free throw shooting. Um, all right. So let's see here. Brad says, I feel like uh, Rozier is a bit more expendable. Maybe he could use his contract to trade for a better starting center. You know, I, here's the thing. I, it's 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 interesting because you know when you start talking about trading a, a Rozier or a Hayward, I think you're going to have to think about a couple of things. One, uh, team chemistry and and building a team. Well, you don't two ways to build a team that wins in the NBA, right? Uh, uh, get a significant amount amount of talent. Get three like top. 25, 50 players, put them together, see what happens. The sort of Brooklyn Nets model, right? Uh, or, or you know, a lot of lot of models at this point. Um, get you know, get two or three superstars, and and whatever you can find at the family dollar, and then go for it. Then there's what the Hornets are doing, which is you run it, you you find an all star in the making, a superstar in the making in Lamelo Ball, and then you start to try to put some pieces around that player. That, that can play on both ends and you sneak up on teams. It's how the Hornets made the playoffs and almost won a series back in 2016. That was Kemba plus, you know, some young players that stepped up and they constructed a, a team that could play Clifford style. Uh, so, you know, the Hornets don't, even if they traded for a better center, you know, you really your only superstar talent right now is LaMelo Ball, the potential superstar talent. He hasn't made an All-NBA, uh, but that's your potential. And, and I think you really have to be careful before you start messing with chemistry. I get the idea, right? Oh, man, we have so many, you know, Teo Maladon, DSJ, you got so many options now. DSJ has an injury history. Teo Maladon, not enough of sample size. I mean, if you look at his numbers, like his, the, the, the advanced numbers while he was at OKC, it was stinky. Like, I mean, there's a reason why Teo 
just sort of floated to the Hornets four days before the regular season. I don't, I'm not cutting on Teo, but what I'm saying is to be careful before you start making those kind of, you're having those kind of thoughts or making those kind of moves before you really see over a larger sample size what you've got in some of this depth. I think they have to be careful. I like the thought because the Hornets, you know, they got Nick Richards. You know, now, now I think the thought has to be from an organizational standpoint. If you, Nick Richards seems like it's the real deal, okay? And if it's the real deal, then you got to think about backup center. Like, what's a compliment to Nick Richards? You know, moving forward, and and maybe you know, because Mason that that deal's over, so you don't you know that Mason's not on any kind of long term deal. Um, you you got to really think about the future. I think at backup center at this point, and maybe not even thinking about starter center because you've got a you got a bird in the hand right now. Um, with Nick Richards. Okay, Thor's defense was great tonight. I agree. Uh, you know, again, you need – it's great having Thor because he doesn't – you know, he's just a perfect kind of player who doesn't need the basketball a lot, you know, can come in and give you that kind of effort. I think I knew from, like, the jump that he was going to be a Clifford type of player. Like, hey, sometimes I'm going to have to ask you to just sit there and do nothing, but then next night I need you to be ready. Thor seems to have that just kind of DNA where he's like, yeah, yeah, I can come in and give you 15 minutes of just hard-nosed defense and not do anything else. And uh, you need those kind of players. Again, when you don't have three superstars, you need those kind of players to win. Amber saying this team is a slow burn. Off-season moves as few as they are. And drafting is what works for the small markets. We won't get anything meaningful short-term with a trade at this point. I think it's a good point. Um, All right, I'm going to take a few more chats and – uh, Amber saying, check out Doug's Substack. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. Love the support. The Substack's going well right now. Everyhornetsboxscore.com. I put game notes on there. We're doing podcasts uh, for free. If you subscribe for free, I do a, a, a column every week where I just three or four things that I'm seeing throughout the week. Uh, my, article, my article went up this morning, so it's not going to cover this game. Uh, but uh, if you want to check that out, everyhornetsboxscore.com. Um, all right. Vibrating higher says the McDaniels three late in the game was huge. Yeah. You know, this is like, I mean, I think Pete, you know, it's tough. Like I feel like you need to cut the ball into thirds, give a third to PJ, a third to DSJ and a third to, uh, Jalen McDaniels, but nobody wants to do that. Right. That's the whole, like giving trophies to everyone. It's, you know, you gotta go, you gotta pick one person to have the ball. They can't share the ball. It was one person has the ball. So if I had to give it to one person, I'd give it to the guy that played terribly against Orlando and sort of represented the entire team played terribly against Orlando. Uh, he changes from the, the ABA fro to the, to back to the braids, uh, changes the hair superstitious. I love it. I love Pro sports superstition. He changes the hair back, and he goes back into action. P.J. Washington would get my game ball. But I agree, play of the game is that Jalen McDaniels three, because of what I said earlier in this show, if you missed it, it wasn't just the three. It's that that three was set up by a Jalen McDaniels defensive rebound in traffic, a traffic defensive rebound over two other Golden State Warriors. Game tied, game on the line. He comes up with the basketball so I take those two plays, I fuse them together, and there you have the play of the game. All right. I think that's a good place to end it. I appreciate everyone on the chat. Thank you so much. I just had to come up here. I'm going to do another show uh, tomorrow where I'll be a little bit more organized. We'll relive some of this stuff. We'll also talk about some big stories around the Charlotte Hornets. We had some options uh, that that got picked up. 
what that means for the team moving forward. We'll maybe we'll take a look at some kind of contract situations. A lot uh, to discuss. I'm going to be solo again tomorrow. Can't wait to do that show. That'll go up on Monday. So check that out. Uh, check out the. Uh, we're on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm uh, at Doug Branson LOH. But Substack everyhornetsboxscore.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, one more thing uh, for for the folks that have been tuning in a long time. It's official. It's back. Big Dub Hat is back. I haven't worn this thing. I mean, it's a little it's a little dot. I think my head's gotten bigger at some point. Like it feels smaller. I haven't worn it in a while. Um, it's a little tight. It's a little dusty. It smells a little bit. I think I might need to run it through the wash. Uh, That's how long it's been since I've donned the Big Dub hat. But what better game than a Hornets OT victory over the Golden State Warriors in the Saturday night fever game. Thanks for joining me here on Locked on Hornets. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. See you soon.